At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We all have questions, and we're all looking for the answers. But sometimes, navigating the answers to cultural issues through the lens of the gospel can be challenging. Join us for our Asking for a Friend series, where each week we'll answer tough questions and provide you with gospel-centered answers that you can share with a friend. Hallelujah, friends. I'm so grateful to be here with you again. Uh, A lot of rounds of applause have been given. Uh, I'd like to invite you to just give one more round of applause, this time for yourselves. How many of you want to praise God that you got here, right? Just praise God that he brought you here today. And, uh, you know, I've had the privilege, as as Tyler mentioned, of preaching here three times during Jeff's sabbatical. And uh, I just want to Uh, Praise God for you. This is a sweet place. This is a special place that God is doing something special in your fellowship here. And I'm grateful to have been a part of it. It's been a blessing to my family. But uh, most importantly, we know why that is. It's because this church is founded on the word of God. The word become flesh, Jesus Christ. So praise God that we get to be here again. Praise God we get to hear the word of God and family, brothers and sisters together. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is the word of God. So we're going to basically just talk about the Bible today. I won't be preaching the entire Bible today, so you can say amen. Uh, I will be preaching the longest chapter in the Bible today, Psalm 119, all 176 verses. So buckle in. Just kidding, it's only going to be like eight verses. We'll get you out of here in plenty of time. But I just want to talk about the Word today. And uh, as Pastor Tyler preached last week about the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, there was a span of the Word of God, a span of Scripture to see that it is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hallelujah. But today we're going to look at his, his revelation to us through the Word of God, specifically the, the Bible, the words of God that we get to take in. And I want to start with just... Um, kind of rifling off a couple statistics. Uh, and these are probably statistics that you've heard. They've kind of made their rounds on YouTube and, and throughout Christian circles. But uh, the American Bible Society uh, is, has come up with these stats and it's kind of shown some troubling things for Bible reading in our nation, Bible reading in the church, and Bible reading amongst Christians, uh, mostly in the U.S. Uh, It says 2022 data revealed that 26 million people stopped reading their Bible in the last year. 2021 data reveals that 85% of American households have a a Bible in it. The average amount of Bibles in those households is 4.3 Bibles per household, The average Christian home has how many Bibles? Does anyone want to take a stab at that? Eleven. Ten was very close. You you didn't go over, so you still win, right? Eleven Bibles. Yet the survey data reveals a problem, doesn't it? That if 26 million people have, have willingly said, I've stopped reading my Bible in the last year, but Bibles are all over the place, we've got a little bit of a problem on our hands, right? And just Googling a couple quick uh, results of why would I read the Bible or why should I read the Bible or why did I stop reading the Bible? And these are all, I'm not going to call them excuses, I'm going to call them reasons because they're real and frankly I think we've all been there, right? How many of you by a show of hands since the day you professed faith in Christ have rigorously, fervently read your Bible every single day since you've been a Christian with joy and delight for every day of your life, right? Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> like, right? So, so I don't want to present something of like these 26 million people are in the wrong because there's probably one or two of us in this room, 
Amen? A sheepish amen, maybe. You're like, amen. Just, you can't say amen, say ouch, right? Life's too busy. I don't know where to start. I don't understand the stories. The language is strange. It's too hard to stay focused. You know, another troubling statistic is that uh, in the last year, 50 plus percent of churchgoers said they read their Bible, quote, occasionally or not at all. Now, like, why? How, how can this be, right? How, how can it be that Bible reading seems to be in a precipitous freefall? How can it be that the Bible, the Word of God, the Word become flesh is something that, that we don't yearn for, that we don't hunger for or thirst for? And I think the answer is pretty simple. The most common answer is pretty simple. And this is the thing I hear most commonly, is that reading the Bible can feel boring sometimes. And I'm like, in a... Uh, a world where, right, there, there are like apps created. I don't know if anybody remembers an app called Vine. You could only make videos that were six seconds long because they knew we couldn't last longer than six seconds, right? Let, we need like constant attention, constant entertainment. It's always coming at us. So people can think sitting down to read the word of God can be boring and they don't understand it. And I say, well, you just probably haven't read it if you think it's boring. It's the most exciting story that the world has ever known. And so much entertainment, books and movies are built on these stories because it is the most exciting story that the world has ever known. And I think few church folks, right, good early service attendant church folks, amen, would admit that we struggle with these things. But I want to look at the inspired, infallible word of God today. And we've been in this sermon series, it's our second of three weeks, where uh, it's called Asking for a Friend, where we're looking at cultural and theological questions about the Christian faith um, and just things that we need answers to, things that people may be asking, and hopefully ways that you can be equipped to talk to others uh, about some of the questions that you may encounter from your friends or from even opponents of the gospel. And again, this question may not be one that believers are asking necessarily, but the data shows that this question is being answered. How can we read the Bible and not get bored? Now, I'm not here to beat anyone up today. I'm not here to make anyone feel bad. If the Holy Spirit of the living God is convicting you right now, you have my permission mission, get up, leave, and go read your Bible today, right? Just go tear up the Word of God, get in it, get all after it, chew it up. You need God's Word more than you need my Word, right? But we're not here to make anyone feel bad. I just want to answer a question. The question isn't necessarily how can we read our Bible without getting bored. The question is how do we get to a point, maybe again, maybe for the first time, or maybe in a sustaining way to find the Bible deeply intriguing, enriching, delicious, required, life-giving, powerful, and knowing it's everything that we could ever need. How, how can we get there? We want to open the Bibles and see the, the words jump off the page, right? Some of us have probably read the Bible and then it, something just happens supernaturally, right? I've read a lot of books. I've been forced to buy and read a lot of textbooks in my life, and uh, there's no book like this, right? There's no word like the Word of God, that we want it to jump off the page. We want to be hungry for it. We want to wake up and yearn for it, but sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's hard. So I just want to look at three real quick things about the Bible to hopefully set a stage for us to understand and agree that the Bible is not boring, amen, that the Bible is intriguing, amen, that the Bible is delicious, hallelujah, it's okay, I brought my own amens and hallelujahs if you don't want to help me preach today, right? It's Holy Spirit inspired. The most creative agent creation has ever known 
wrote this through a multitude of writers over languages and years. It's not just some man's idea that, the, that God of the universe, it is God breathed, right? Expired, spirate is to breathe, expired from God's mouth, inspired into this so that we can read it, right? And it's useful for teaching, training, correcting, training in all righteousness so that the man or servant of God may be complete for every good work. The Holy Spirit of the living God inspired this text. The last time I was here a couple weeks ago, we saw that the Bible was trustworthy and true. It is true. So rarely can you read or hear anything today and wonder if it's true or not. This is true. In the high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus said, sanctify them in your truth, dad. Your word is truth. It's powerful. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing in the divisions between joint and marrow, soul and spirit. It reads us as we read it. It is discerning our hearts and thoughts and attitudes. And then it says, no creature is hidden from it. That's not a regular book. Right? That's not just the, the New York Times bestseller. This is the bestseller of all time. The most widely circulated text the world's ever known, yet sometimes we struggle. And I want to kind of just approach the word today from that place of we do struggle with this sometimes. That it can be hard for us sometimes to really be as excited maybe as we once were. So as we look at three ways to find the inspiration, truth, and power in the pages of Scripture, let's go ahead and turn it in our Bibles to Psalm 119. So if you've got Bibles in your lap, go ahead and turn them to Psalm 119. If you've got your Bible on your device, click off of Instagram and on to Psalm 119. If you didn't bring anything that has the Word of God on it, it will be behind me on a screen. But as I said last time, the Warren campus would gladly buy anyone a new Bible who wants one. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you. I didn't hear any staff members say amen, but we've got somebody who can testify. Let's go, sis. That's great. Three specific ways today that the Bible can move beyond boring and so that we can see, this is our big idea, that we can see that the way of blessing is found in the word of God. Psalm 119, we're going to be in verses 9 through 16 today. Would you join me in a brief word of prayer? Father, as we approach your word, we want to do so with humble hearts we want to do so with open minds. We want to do so with a yearning and a hunger and a thirst and a desire. And you are the one who has, can, and will plant it in us. So please, Lord, give us a hunger for your word today. Give us the illumination of the Holy Spirit to illuminate Jesus Christ, the word become flesh, to illuminate that this is God's greatest gift, that we get to know him hear him, and understand him through his word. So as we look at Psalm 119 today, I pray that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would shape us, and that you would change us for your glory, by your grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray all this. Together we say amen and amen. So point number one is that we want the word of God to guide us. I think it'll say guide you, but uh, guide us is what we're looking forward to get to do together today. In community, under the authority of the word of God. Verses 9, 10, and 11 in Psalm 119 says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? Simple, I'll add. By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Psalm 119 is a beautiful piece of literature. It's written in an acrostic format. We talked about this again the last time I was here where it's 22 stanzas, eight verses in each stanza, corresponding with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, culminating in 176 verses. Its length and its artistry should capture our attention. The meaning behind it uh, should reveal the power and significance of God's word. The author talks about God's word, his testimonies, his laws, his statutes, his precepts, all different kinds of words that are used to say, God, whatever you give to me is better than life. That is how I learn how to be guided. That is how I learn how to be shaped. That is how I learn how to love you more. That is how I learn that it was good to be afflicted so that I could learn your precepts. So the the psalmist does a beautiful job uh, using just just glorious poetry, but uh, Holy Spirit-inspired truth to teach us this. And he begins in this second stanza by establishing God's ways detailed in God's God's words as the way, everybody say the way, as the way of blessing, that our lives are blessed through this. He says, when your whole heart, when your whole soul, when my whole mind are guided and directed by God's words, it's going to go good for me. Even for non-believers, right? That if you practice the, the things in God's word, like the golden rule, how many people know that the golden rule in its original format is from the word of God, right? People are just like, the golden rule, I hear it at every elementary school, and I'm like, yes, Jesus. And they're like, no, the golden rule. I'm like, that's Jesus, right? He said that. He did it. Even if you just follow God's word without a relationship with God, your life will generally be more peaceful. But we know that when we do follow God's word with a relationship with God, we have the Prince of Peace uh, in our hearts, mitigated through the Holy Spirit of the living God. And we, and we see this all over the place, right? Even later in Psalm 119, the psalmist says, Your word, O Lord, is a lampstand to my feet, a light unto my path. How am I supposed to know where to go? Your word. At the beginning of the Psalter, the, the psalmist says, uh, that Blessed is the man who keeps God's law, who meditates on God's law day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by a stream, unable to be moved. So the psalmist kind of continues on in this language and he establishes the true source of life's direction is God's word. Learning it, reading it, living it, committing to it. And he says it's good to start when you're young, right? How can a young man keep his way pure? That's how he starts. Why? Why is it good to start when you're young? And and also we're going to get to why is there still hope if you wouldn't consider yourself young, if maybe you're a little bit more seasoned uh, in life. I won't call you old, but seasoned in life. It's still good to do this at any time, but preferably at an early age. Why? So many of the habits that we start when we're young, they stick with us, right? How many of you have good habits that you started when you were a young believer still? How many of you have bad habits that you have kept with you from your childhood? (laughs) More hands went up. Hallelujah. I love this honest congregation here. These habits, ways of life, these these well-worn paths that we begin to walk, when we get lost in the wilderness and we're looking for a place that we've been down before and we know leads to the way of safety or blessing. This is why it's good to start this early in our lives. This is why we do Flip Camp, Hope Week, Camp Woodside, all these things because we know, and research would bear this out, something like 64% of all born-again believers came to faith prior to the age of 18. Right? This is so important for us, and, and it's important for us to start this early in life wherever we can. And again, I'm not trying to beat you up. If you didn't start this early in life, there's still time. Everybody say, there's still time. Maybe somebody over the age of 40 say, there's still time. <laughs> somebody just laughed. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's good. 
But once we have these pathways, this provision, this is the thing that keeps us. This is the thing that guides us into righteous choices. Not legalism, righteous choices. Turns us from temptation and leads us into deeper godly living. Verses 10 through 11, the psalmist just talks about heart and desire and, and, and affection, saying like, I love your word, Lord. This is a passionate text that when your heart, the center of your affection is set on something, you're gonna follow it. Right? How many of you remember uh, maybe having a crush on somebody? Uh, if you're married, just raise your hand. I'm trying to hook you up, husbands. Come on, just say, yeah, I remember. I still got that crush. It's still burning like it was. But like you do weird stuff too, like especially middle school and high school crushes, like you would do weird stuff before like the word stalking was everywhere. Like that's, that's exactly what happened. We were like, oh, you have second hour in Miss Johnson's class. Who knew? And you're just standing there waiting by the door, like doing anything you can to position yourself around the thing that your affection and desires are set on. It's exactly how it should be with God's word. We should do anything we can to position ourselves around the word of God, to have Bibles in our cars, to carry them with us on us, right? To, to be everywhere, to have one on your desk at work, your desk at school, your desk at home, the kitchen table. That's why Christians have 11 Bibles in their household, right? Because they're everywhere and you're reading them in every room all day long. Hallelujah. Some people, yeah, you're like, no, we really do that here. So it wasn't a joke. <laughs> That's good. But what, what's true of humanity is um, whatever we desire, we're gonna chase after. We're gonna pursue it. It's also why we need God's words because our desires need to be shaped and changed. But how do we practice this in everyday life? The, the psalmist tells us, he says, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it with a strategy and the strategy is by storing up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you've got that defense, when you've got uh, that reflex that comes out of you, when uh, you're struggling with issues of unhealthy or inappropriate desire, God's word comes out of you. When you're struggling of how do I get protected and you say, God of peace, please grant me your peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard my heart and guard my mind. When these things come against you, storing up God's word in your heart, that's what comes out of you that helps you and heals you and protects you. This is what the psalmist says. This is how I'm not gonna sin against you, not because of my good behavior, because your word, O oh Lord, is stored up in my heart. Con consistently immersing yourself in God's word, friends, that's what we've gotta do. And please hear my heart. This is not about legalism. This is not about setting a timer and reading the Bible X amount of seconds, minutes, or hours a day. If, if that's what works for you, praise the Lord, do it. And do it with joy and do it with gladness. But this is not a message that's intended to say, Everyone go home and read your Bible for 30 minutes every day for a week and your life will get better. It probably will, right? But that's not what we're selling today. I'm, I am selling something that's free today and I'm selling something that is invaluable today. And, and you're here already, right? Like at Woodside, we hear about this, if not weekly, every other week. Like the two best places to do this, to, to intake God's word, you're in one of them right now. Right? To hear God's word, to be sitting under the authority of the word of God in community, gathered together with brothers and sisters. This is amazing as we gather together in worship to hear it sung, proclaimed, prayed, preached. 
just enjoy. That's something that we want to be doing all the time. And praise God, you're here. One of the next best places to do that is after we've gathered in worship is we scatter into life groups where we do the same thing in a smaller group, gathering together with brothers and sisters in community under the authority of God's word because God's word provides the way of blessing for us. This is the psalmist's heart cry today. And friends, I I hope it's our heart cry today that we say, Lord, I love your word. I want it. I need it. I'll set up strategies so that I can have it. I'll store it in my heart. However, I have to do that. I'll store it in my heart that I might not sin against you. How many of you really love sinning? (laughs) We were like, oh man, he already called me honest. Yeah, I do. I like it. It feels good. That's why I do it. I hate it, but it feels good. That's why I do it, right? If you don't want to do it, the psalmist says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's, I think, what we all want, friends. That this this word provides direction and guidance for our life. I know we've all felt lost at some point in our life. I know some of us don't know the way to go right now. Even an eight-year-old king said, Lord, we don't know the way to go, but our eyes are on you. This is the best way to look at him. He's revealed himself to us. So after we see the psalmist say that the word of God will guide us, we see that he says the word of God will shape us, guide us and shape us. Verses 12 through 14. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I love that. He praises God and he says, teach me. Please, look how good you are. Please teach me. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Verse 12, again, just starts with this praise, this this shout of praise, this shout of adoration and saying, you're so good, please teach me. I need you. I'm petitioning you to teach me your laws, your precepts, your statutes, your testimony, your word, your ways, everything. I need it all, God, because this is what I'm, I'm searching for. This is what I'm yearning for. And this is what it reveals. It reveals a deep treasure. When you go down into the mine of the word of God, that you, you come out with rich treasure, and the treasure is God himself. It's not just good ideas that you can have. It's not just an answer to your atheist friend. It's not just more knowledge that we pile up in our heads. It is the treasure of God himself that he grants us through his word, and he shapes us with the word of God, and he shapes us to be more like him. He reveals to us the path of salvation, We know that there's general revelation of God, that God is good everywhere. He created, right? Generally, he's revealed himself all over the place. Romans 1 talks about it, that in creation, we see the hand of the creator. But there's a specific revelation, a special revelation in the word of God that reveals the pathway to salvation. And it's the word of God become flesh. I want to look at just two quick quotes um, that I think talk about this, how the word of God shapes us. A.W. Tozer um, pretty famous theologian, really famous quote, uh, says, the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God. And when our views about God or our beliefs about God are skewed, we view all of our life through a misshapen lens. That's why this sermon series is so important. Right? We have to have answers to these questions about the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament. How can I read the Bible and not be bored? How can it be delicious to me? And Pastor Jeff's going to come back and, and teach about uh, sexuality next week. Right? These are the topics of our day. These are the things that we need answers to. 
But if you have an, something is askew in your belief about God and your view about God, then friend, everything will be slightly askew. It's like um, aspect ratio, you know this, or, or points that start really close to each other, but one is just a couple degrees off, and the further you go, the further you're going to get apart. Like, if you don't believe God is good, and circumstances unfold in your life, and then you convince yourself God isn't good, and then you can even start running down these old pathways of uh, curse, not blessing, of, yeah, you know, nobody's ever loved me, actually, so God couldn't love me either. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God. The best place to find it is right here. So another quote I want to read uh, about God shaping us, and this is from the, uh, the old, uh, it probably brings a warm spot in many people's hearts, the Presbyterian preacher J. Vernon McGee. He talks about this when, when God is shaping us. Uh, talking about Jeremiah 18, he says, look over his shoulder. I almost tried to do this in his accent, but I can't. Nobody can do the J. Vernon McGee accent. Right? Like, <laughs> I can't talk that slow either, even if I tried. Right? <laughs> look over his shoulder. You may not know what the finished piece will look like, but you're convinced the potter knows what he's doing. My friend, God is not playing with us today. He's not experimenting. He has a purpose in how he's shaping us, and that comforts me. He has a plan and he knows what he's doing. When God puts us on the wheel of circumstance, he means to accomplish something. He has a purpose. Finding that purpose in and through the word of God is absolutely invaluable. When you can see some of the faith that God has built in people in the Bible and he's trying to build that same faith in you, faith on him, not faith like Daniel, the faith in God that Daniel has needs to be the faith that we have in the same God, right? It's not, we're not trying to be anyone else in here. We're, we're called to be more like Jesus. That's what sanctification is bringing us into. We're not called to be more like David. We're not called to be more like Daniel. We're not called to be more like Paul. Now, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, but it's all pointing to Christ, right? Everything is, is pointing there. Finding the purpose in your circumstances. Somebody has given a, a, a really simple uh, definition of the word discipleship, and it is making sense of your past so that you can love God in your present, right? Just simply walking through circumstances to say, God, I love you right now and I'm able to make a little bit of sense of what has happened because I find purpose in your word. And this is what the psalmist is saying, that it's as valuable as all riches. It's more valuable than anything that I could ever have. This shaping that I'm wanting, this most valuable thing imaginable is to delight in the love and grace and mercy that we find through the revealed word of God, but ultimately it's found in the relationship with Jesus, the word of God become flesh. This is how God shapes us, friends. It's not just external circumstances. It is the word of God. You've, you've heard this before of um, the way that we're shaped by God in, in the three H's, right, in our head, in our hearts, in our hands, that if we are reading the Bible, intaking the word of God, the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God, that it shapes our mind. It shapes our head. It shapes our thoughts. It shapes the way that we see things, right? That if we don't have a biblical Christian worldview, then we're going to have a cultural worldview. We're going to have a worldview that's going to shift and shape and be tossed and to and fro by every wind of unsound doctrine and human cunning, right, is what Ephesians says. So we have to have this in us so that we can see things rightly. We want the word of God to shape our head rightly, that we can actually see and evaluate and understand 
understand what's really going on. We want our heart to be shaped this way. We want our heart to be shaped by the word of God, allowing it to shape our affections, to actually turn our sinful affections that we have toward deadly things and we repent of those and then our affections get turned toward delightful things. Our affections get turned towards God himself. Our hands are to be shaped by this, that our hours and our days are meant to be guided, meant to be shaped by the word of God telling us where the way of blessing is to be found, showing us how we're supposed to be pursuing all this stuff that's in front of us. And friends, this is all over the place. You can find all kinds of things, but I just want to keep talking about Woodside. You're here at a Woodside campus, right? And what is Woodside's middle name? Bible. A couple people are like, I forgot where I was, right? Woodside Bible Church, right? Uh, and, And you see it all over everything that we do. Right? Parent-child dedication. Have you guys seen that here at this church where families stand up with their babies and they make commitments to raise their children according to the word of God and they say together, we will, right? They make the confession, we will do this according to the word of God. Membership, if you've joined this church, you have to check a box and sign your name that I have read, understand, and agree with the statement of faith that understanding what Woodside believes about what the word of God says, that's why I want to be a member of this church. And friends, it's not about Woodside. Woodside is not righteous. God is righteous, right? Woodside doesn't have the corner on truth. The Bible has the corner on truth. That's why we're called Woodside Bible Church, right? It's our middle name because it's who we're supposed to be in. We see it all over. We've already talked about gathering and worship, Hope Week, Flip Flip Kids Camp, uh, Camp Woodside, membership, parent-child dedication, all these different things. These are all meant to show us how the Bible, the Word of God, will guide us and shape us. Anyone can read this as like a, a nice story. Anyone can read this as a book filled of content or precepts without even considering like it wants to change you. It wants to read you as you read it. So do you believe with a humble heart that the word of God is valuable to you? Do you believe with a humble heart that this is perhaps what I've been missing? We ask all the time, like, what am I missing? I'm missing something. Perhaps it's simply God, more of him. He's unsearchable. You'll never get to the end of him. There's more of him that he wants to give to each and every one of us. God wants to guide us and shape our thoughts and words and actions and just Read the word of God today. Just, just find some time today and just read any passage. Read a word. You know, I've, I've, my wife and I are on a reading plan, but we haven't done this in like years. And my devotional rhythms have changed so much since I've been walking with the Lord. Sometimes it's pretty rigorous and just like chewing up scripture, reading the Bible in a year, reading the Bible in six months. Sometimes it's just, God, I'm going to open to the gospel of John and we'll see how far you want to go today. Sometimes it's a sentence and I'm like, yep, I don't need anything else today. That's all I can handle right now of you, Lord, and you're going to teach me and shape me through this. But just ask yourself, what, whenever you read the Bible, a couple questions. What does this say about God? What does the word of God teach me about God? What does this tell me about me? What does this say about my need for him? And how will the truths of what I've just read about God and myself shape me and change my life? It's, it's, again, it's a kind of a simple formula, and there's so much that we can dive into, but simply we see the psalmist, King David, say the word of God will guide us, the word of God will shape us, and finally we see him say the word of God will change us. Verses 15 and 16. I will 
meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So when the, when the psalmist declares that he will meditate on God's precepts and God's ways and turning his eyes to him, he's declaring a deep desire for God to change him. When he talks about sight, when he talks about wanting to see him, uh, allowing the truth of God to guide his way and shape his character and change his life, all throughout scripture, the, the concept of sight is used as a concept of understanding. When the blind will see, it's that they have re- been revealed deep abiding truth of God. The psalmist is asking the same thing. He's saying, I want to see so I can understand so that I can be changed, so that I can be guided, so that I can be shaped, and so that I can be changed. And frankly, friends, if the word of God hasn't fully changed, you, then the word of God cannot fully shape you, right? You can be shaped, you can be guided, but if you haven't been fully changed, and the only way that we can be fully changed by God, like in, James, in the gospel of, in, not the gospel of James, excuse me, the epistle of James, James chapter one, he, he says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is the kind of change that we need ultimately saving of our souls, but there is a smaller change that we need, right? There's micro change that we need, and that is just for our very life. And we've seen this in verses 10 through 14, right? The psalmist is saying, here's what I've done. Here's what's worked for me. Here's how I've seen guidance and shaping. And now he changes a little bit. Verses 15 through 16 are in the the future tense where he's saying, I will do this. I'm going to do this. I have a plan. I have a strategy. I'm making this transition because I am establishing future goals that I want to meditate on your word and I don't want to forget it, God. Probably because he's seen what happens if he does, right? He plans to read it. His goal is to understand it. His desire is to find joy in it. His aim is to never forget the word of God. Friends, when we see the power, when we see the providence, when we see the sovereignty, when we see that the word of God is the greatest guidance to our very life, better than any business book, better than any news anchor, better than anything, that we will, we will follow this all the rest of the days of our life when we see that the word of God is the thing that shapes us, truly shapes us when revelation comes, not when you read it and you say, I'm gonna do that. When you read it and the Holy Spirit allows you and encourages you and and reinvigorates you and regenerates you to do these things, we can't do it on our own. We need him to do it for us. But when we see this, when we feel this, when our eternity is changed and we have abundant life through the way that we think, we can't not pursue this treasure. We can't not sit up under the ministry of the word. We can't not have the word of God read over us. We can't not want to implant this word into us by reading it, by yearning for it, by hungering for it, by thirsting for it, ultimately by loving it. Do we really love it? I overheard a conversation between two of my friends one day, and um, just as a disclaimer, I am not saying that you should do this, okay? So just say amen before I say anything else, please. We all agree, right? Uh, two of my friends, um, one was like, I just can't really w- read the word of God. Like, I, don't, I can't get into it. And another one of my buddies was like, what do you mean? Like, do you hate God? And I was like, wow, you said that out loud. Like, you can't say that. That's not okay. But like, that's the first place his mind went. He was so shocked. Like, why wouldn't you read God's word? Like, do you hate him? Do you have a problem with him? Are you mad at him? Why wouldn't you want to spend time with him? Why wouldn't you want to be near him? Why wouldn't you want to be close to him? He was shocked by it. Now, his choice of words, I, would like, I was like, I like your passion, man, but you can't say that to people. Like, that's not okay. But you see where his heart was? He couldn't fathom it. 
He couldn't understand how somebody who belonged to Jesus didn't want to read the word. You know, this, this week we had Hope Week and, and some other great things that happened. Mano Daniel, our partner from India, uh, was here and uh, got to spend like three days with him. It was so great. And on Monday night, we were just talking on our way into Hope Week. He was going to address the students at Rochester University. And we just got to talk and hang out. And I love Mano. He's, he's a special kind of guy. Um, we were just talking about the church, Christianity, America. And I love hearing a, a man from Chennai, India's concept of the church in America because he has an outsider's view, right? He's not ingrained in some of the weird stuff we do because um, we do weird stuff, amen? And he was like, man, you guys, um, not you guys, Woodside, because uh, Woodside does everything right. <laughs> but like a church around the corner or something. <laughs> he didn't say anything bad about Woodside, right? Uh, but he was just like Western Christians, just treat the Bible like a bunch of content. Like it's just something to talk about, something to preach. It's content to give to people. And he was like, it is not that. The word of God is about actually finding the freedom to actually be alive. He's like, when you realize that you can't be alive without it, that's when it clicked. Not when it's great sermon content. Not when it's great Bible study content. When this is literally the freedom we need to actually live. That's, the, that's the, the hunger, the thirst, the passion, the desire that we need to have in our hearts. And you can't put it there. You've got to ask God to do it. And I bet he will if you ask him. Now, Mano has experienced a lot of life, and the, the author of this psalm has experienced a lot of life, right? King David has experienced a lot, yet he's still able to write this psalm, saying, Lord, teach me all your ways, because he's been through it and he's seen how to get out of it. Again, later in Psalm 119, it says, it was good that I was afflicted that I might learn your precepts. In other words, I thank you for my bad days so I can see how good you are. And we see that through the word of God. Now, as the worship team comes back up, I just wanna close with one kind of thought just about the whole totality of the word of God, right? It's 66 books written by at least 40 authors in three different languages spanning 1,500 years and it remains one message, the number one selling, widest circulated text of all time. And these are impressive numbers, right? But that's not what's impressive about the Bible, friends. What's impressive about the Bible is the story it tells. And it's your story. It's our, our story. It's his story. What's impressive about the Bible is its main character, is its hero, is its author. What's impressive about the Bible is, is, as Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures and you think that in them you have eternal life. You search the scriptures and you think that in them you have eternal life. He's telling the Pharisees at this point in time, saying it's not just about reading this stuff. It's not just about doing the right thing. Because then he says, it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. When we read this word of God and we ask, we're confronted by the author. We're confronted by the lover of our souls. We're confronted by the one who knows everything about us and still loves us and still wants us. We're confronted by the one who when we come to him and we say, oh, I haven't read the Bible as much as I should. He says, I know, but we're here now. Let's celebrate. Let's enjoy it. Let me continue to pursue you and woo you. 
When we read, reflect, and meditate upon God's word, we're exposing ourselves, our heart, our head, our hands to God himself. So today, please, my petition of you today is as you encounter the word, just let it, let it love you. Let it woo you. Let it be whatever it needs to be for you. You can't do anything to change the word of God. That's something that I like, you can't do anything to mess it up. Now, you can teach it falsely, but you won't mess it up. The word of God is infallible. It won't change. So I just pray that we would humbly approach the word. Today, tomorrow, you can't find time to read the Bible. You can't make time to read the Bible. You have to protect time to read the Bible, right? How many of us can create time? Zero of us, right? How many of us can find time? No, it will find you and fill with whatever is going on. You've got to protect that time to sit with your Lord, to sit with the lover of your soul, to sit with the Savior of your life, to approach humbly enough and acknowledge that our deepest needs are being met as we just read the Bible, as we sit with the one who loves us. So would you just stand with me as we pray? We're gonna sing a final song called Death Was Arrested. I just wanna pray a prayer of blessing over us as we encounter the written, living, holy word of God. Father, please help us. Help us today to approach humbly enough to acknowledge that our deepest needs are exposed and met by the claims made by your word, about your word, about yourself. Our deepest longings are fulfilled in obedience. Letting the impossible and miraculous like true love, Jesus Christ, flow through us. You prove yourself, you save us. Your word provides the way of blessing and I pray that we would see that today. I pray that we'd know that today. God, I, I don't wanna drum up a bunch of emotion today. We just need to have a, a sober realization that we need your word, oh Lord. We can't out context your word. We can't search the scriptures and find out more than you desire to reveal to us. Your word in itself, in itself says the secret things belong to you, but you reveal things to us as your children. So I pray that you do that for us today. And I pray that as we do, we would see the word who was with God, who was God and has always been there. That same word that a few verses later we see in John's gospel became flesh. It's you, Jesus. I pray that we would see you, that we would know you, that we would love you, and that by your Holy Spirit, you would draw us nearer and nearer to you. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. Fill us with hunger and thirst for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.